Welcome to Looks Like New on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. This is a show that asks old questions about new technology. We join you on the fourth Thursday of every month on the Old Fashioned Radio, or you can listen online as a podcast. Looks Like New is a production of the Media Enterprise Design Lab at CU Boulder. This month, our guest is Dana Caulfield. She's a founder and a senior editor of the Colorado Sun, a new online investigative publication that went live just last year. For more than a decade before that, she was an editor at the Denver Post and has worked at the Associated Press, the Rocky Mountain News, and Longmont's Daily Times Call. The question that we're going to be wrestling with today is, what is public benefit journalism? Um, and, and we're twisting the show a little bit here. We, we talk about technology, and this time we're going to talk about a social and legal technology of the, pen, the Public Benefit Corporation. Uh, this is a, a relatively new phenomenon where companies are organizing uh, for the purpose of a public benefit, integrating their benefit into their legal structure. Now, the meaning of the word corporation used to be quite different than what we understand it to be today. Most businesses were once partnerships among families, and corporations were kind of rare creatures a couple hundred years ago that governments charted for a particular public purpose. After World War II, uh, even after the advent of the kind of modern corporate form, uh, corporations, whether rightly or wrongly, saw themselves as stewards of the public good. They understand stood themselves as having multiple stakeholders, serving their employees, serving uh, the, the country as a whole, serving their communities. But by the 1980s, a new doctrine of shareholder primacy took hold in many, uh, especially large uh, publicly held corporations, uh, which understood the corporation as an entity that served one purpose, and that is profit for its shareholders. Increasingly, uh, uh, this phenomenon of purpose-oriented businesses have tried to reconnect their companies with a public mission, and they're doing this in a variety of ways. Um, uh, th these include, for instance, uh, certification by an organization called B Labs. Uh, uh, B Corp certification is what it's called. Um, that's a kind of third-party certification uh, that, okay, your company is pursuing a, a social good, um, uh, is aligning environmental and other interests. Um, and then there's the Legal Public Benefit Corporation, which is a, a structure that allows a company to, to put its purpose in its incorporation documents and actually prioritize that purpose above uh, 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 the, the profit maximization motive. So, so if the company is pursuing that purpose, maybe at the expense of some profit, um, it's written there into, the, um, into its legal structure. It has some uh, protection in order to do that. Now, the search for this kind of more benefit-oriented kind of company has been especially urgent in industries like journalism that have always had a tricky balance um, between their, their ledgers, uh, uh, their, the financial side of the business, and uh, the vital roles that they play in their communities. They've always been a kind of uh, a public benefit corporation. Um, and so there's been a lot of experiments in what should an organization doing journalism, doing public media look like? And community-based nonprofits like KGNU are one vital answer to that question. Uh, another case that exemplifies this search is the Colorado Sun. 
a new investigative news outlet founded last year. This came in the wake of the Great Revolt at the Denver Post when reporters protested the uh, uh, behavior of Alden Global Capital, the company that owns the, the Post and many other papers in Colorado. Um, uh, criticizing their owner in its very own editorial page. Um, and The Sun uh, uh, was founded by former journalists at the Denver Post. And when they incorporated, they decided to uh, uh, incorporate as a public benefit corporation, perhaps with that experience of the Post, of what profit maximizing ownership can look like with layoffs and and a kind of stripping down of uh, of the news ecosystem in this region um, so they found a way through this structure to put their their purpose and their mission uh, at the core of the organization now this is not an ordinary interview uh, dana and the colorado sun have invited us at the media enterprise design lab to conduct an evaluation for its first public benefit report and this interview, this conversation, is part of the process for de doing so. And I want to be sure also to thank MedLab Research Fellow Laura Daly for her efforts in advancing this process. So I want to invite all of you listening to join in this first uh, 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 conversation about the, the public benefit being offered through this new organization. Dana, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, tell me, what did you set out to do when you started the Colorado Sun? Well, as you uh, referenced earlier when you are sort of talking about the lead up to our launch um, last year, we emerged from kind of a place of trauma um, related to what had been going on in our previous employer. Everybody that worked there loved working at the Denver Post. We felt like our work was vital and important, but we also felt like we were being strapped to the point that we couldn't um, execute the type of work that we thought was important to our community. So um, 10 of us left the Denver Post to try something new and were primarily concerned with getting away from the type of news, which is a benefit to communities that exclusively drives clicks. So the burning dumpster, you know, like that's super interesting. If you drive by it in your community, you definitely want to know what that is. And it drives a lot of clicks and therefore a lot of uh, a, a better chance that the publication is going to get paid for the advertising that's on their website. So we understand that the economy of newspapers has changed a lot um, from print, which used to be super profitable um, way back in the olden days when, um, let's say, uh, the newspapers were still independently owned in this community. If you had less than a 30% profit margin at your newspaper, you were having a bad year. And I would defy you to think of any other industry that w it was able to report those kinds of profits. So right around the time, as you were talking about, the um, change in the way that corporations uh, considered began to consider uh profit as their prime goal in the 1980s. Around that time, there was a sense that maybe if newspapers could consolidate, um, they too could deliver that kind of sustained profit to their shareholders. Um, and it didn't actually, actually work out that well. And in the 2000s, things started as oh, the economy was swirling the drain. Generally, um, the newspaper economy also started to swirl. And there were uh, funds that swept in and bought newspaper groups and frankly saved them. I, I don't know that those that 
um, some of the newspapers in our own community would still be around were it not for some of those hedge fund investors. But that doesn't necessarily comport with the needs of the community. So um, what we were trying to do, uh, being mindful that a robust um, media environment contributes to a robust civic community, we wanted to recreate that community for our readers and focus on the types of coverage that made you as a person who lives in Boulder County uh, feel empathetic to somebody who lives on the Western Slope. You may not be able to relate to um, peach crops being, peach trees being pulled out of the ground and replaced with pot, but it certainly would be interesting for you to think about how their economy is changing. So we've really focused on that kind of reporting that says, you know, here's a trend that's in our community and how it's being expressed. We're intensely focused on the state house um, and trying to um, uh, help people understand how things that happen at the corner of Colfax and Broadway, which is basically where the state house is located in downtown Denver, play in all four corners of our state. So it's a big task where we launch, but we feel like we're doing a reasonably good job of, um, providing content that people are interested in. And why did you choose to incorporate with this public benefit corporation statute? What well, was the, what led into that? Yeah. So, and I guess I lost track of that. Um, that as we started to think about what was happening with our corporate owners and the way that they were stripping away resources and um, not changing expectations, we thought we need to have expectations for our, ourselves. And we, believe that the highest best use of our skills is to create great content that um, elevates the discussion and proves to the community that not all journalism is the dumpster fire. We need to bring truth back into the news equation and make people feel like they have a place to go and look and have a trusted source and find content where that when they go to it, they see themselves in the content. Like often you go to breaking news sites and it's all murders and dumpster fires and you probably have never murdered somebody once in your life. And so it's hard to relate and to stay there and look for the content that is um, useful and helpful to you. So we thought that by codifying um, ourselves as a public benefit corporation that we 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 actually did it kind of in defensive mode, if I'm perfectly honest. We did not want a uh, world in the future if we decided the 10 partners who own the Colorado Sun were to sell in the future or take on investors where those investors would be able to change our mission or um, force us into writing only about dumpster fires. And mm -hmm. it was super important to us because we felt we had lost that at our previous employer. And what did the process actually look like? What do you have to do to become a, a public benefit corporation? <laughs> it's shockingly easy. You fill out some forms and you file them with the Secretary of State. And if you're a more um, doing it in a less panic mode, you probably would spend some time reading about what the requirements of that are. And uh, uh, But maybe a few months ago, we realized that one of our obligations to the community is to provide an annual report saying, did we hit our goals? Did we provide a public benefit to our community? So that's what we're in the throes of right now. We will um, celebrate our first official anniversary of publication the first week in September. And um, 
to go along with that, we're publishing a compendium of some of our best stories, uh, actual print, which we're a little bit freaked out about, frankly. <laughs> None of us have thought about print for about a year. And in that will include um, just a statement of, did we make good on our promises? We had an immensely successful uh, Kickstarter um, campaign to get going on this, and we made some big promises in there about how we would spend that money. And so we'll be sort of recounting some of that. We'll be talking about our progress toward um, creating community and taking a look at, did we go out into all four corners of the state and generate um, copy and interesting stories and photography that allows people to better know their state? Mm -hmm. And the company is now journalist owned as it was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, also, it was founded as part of this network called Civil, mm -hmm. this kind of blockchain based journalism network. Tell us a little bit about the role of that. Um, that has been a significant funder for us for the past two years, and we're, we'll be eternally grateful um, to that right-minded group. Um, they have launched, I'm going to say there's probably close to 20 publications in the past year because they were, or, yeah, yeah, since about February of 2018. And they also were deeply concerned about the erosion of journalism in many different kinds of communities. And so they went out and said, we made a bajillion dollars selling Ethereum, which is a type of cryptocurrency, and we're going to use some of that to fund organizations. They were not, you know, 100% pure because they have a technology, an archiving technology that they would like all of us to be using and they would like our government to be using at some point. And so we're kind of a safe way um, for them to prove um, the, a proof of concept with that technology. But the great thing about them is, that, like, you know, there were terrible layoffs in Chicago and they helped launch a thing called Block Club Chicago that has been massively successful in um, creating new community and employing um, many journalists in hyper local. You know, you're going to get stories about Wicker Park, you're going to, you know, Lincoln Park, all the tiny little micro communities in Chicago are being covered with incredible um, attention. And that's uh, resonated really well in that city. So they've and but they've also done interesting tiny publications like one that's devoted to humor another which unfortunately because they didn't pay so much attention to the business side of their operations was and it they've closed down but they were devoted just to discussing the experience of people in recovery so it goes a broad spectrum to just straight up hard news in Chicago and um, in investigations and in Denver and these tiny little websites that are important to community. They are really important to community. And it serves as a kind of defensive mode as well, right? I mean, the one thing I've, I've, I've been following this, the civil process a little bit, and there have been some of their newsrooms have been getting kicked off the network, mm -hmm. you know, when it turns yeah. out they're just mainly they're, they're shilling uh, cryptocurrencies, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, and so there's a kind of mission protection in belonging to that community. Um, so about nine months into our, um, our relationship with civil and we have not deployed this yet but because we haven't quite figured out how it would work in our context. But um, we accepted a gift of um, tokens. They're not an actual currency um, tokens. And let's say we started to go bad and we were just writing lies all the time. If people in our community felt like we were dragging down the civil brand or dragging down our own brand, they could... Um, bring up a challenge and, and vote us off of the civil island and we could no longer be associated with this pure mission. And what 
you know, the, the, if I were a kind of security hacker, right, I would use the language of threat model. You know, yeah. what is the, you know, if you're trying to, when you're thinking of the design for this organization, do you have a kind of worst case scenario in mind that you've been trying to protect against when you say that you're in a defensive mode? What can go wrong? Get, paint us a picture a little bit about what can go wrong when the wrong kinds of incentives and motives um, get into journalism. What's the danger? Um, the danger to me is that the community loses control and investment in the publication. And, you know, we can all complain about, oh, we hate the letters to the editor or opinion or whatever, but, but that we, that we are invited to participate in that. And, and we wish to continue to participate in our community and invite others to participate. And when we hand off ownership to a distant corporation that is not focused on journalism, then we, I, I feel like we lose the accountability to community or it's weakened. Um, for example, there's one person working on the editorial page at the Denver Post right now, which is the largest publication in Colorado. And there's one person. So she does a great job. She works really hard. She makes great choices. But you have to wonder if there were even two or three people, um, maybe it could be better and robust and more people could be more engaged in it. And and that's what's fearful to me that, you know, as, as I said at the beginning, perhaps the Denver Post wouldn't still be here or the Longmont paper or the Boulder paper would not be here without the existence of the um, the hedge fund investors, but their goals are not th the same as ours. And they risked a huge amount of money and now they need to be paid back for that. And so when we engage in those commercial um, relationships, we have to acknowledge that there will be a point that somebody needs to be paid back. They need to get their money back and maybe they need to get it at a faster rate than the community can sustain the publication. So that's the thing that's scary to me, that could this happen again? Could our, um, with this consolidation, now that we've got Gannett and Gatehouse um, getting married, we can imagine that we're going to see the newspapers, the Gatehouse publications in Southern Colorado, the Colorado and in Fort Collins um, become even weaker. And we don't want that. We, we wish to not see the newspapers that run out the US 50 corridor between Pueblo and the Eastern Plains, which probably, you know, we don't, we never go there. We live in Boulder, beautiful Boulder County. There's no reason for us to go down there unless we're buying cantaloupe or something, right? We just don't have that experience. But those communities are just as valid and important as Boulder is or Denver or Fort Collins or Colorado Springs. And they need to have um, a watchdog for them. I mean, we routinely get phone calls from extreme southeastern Colorado about like, our police department is so corrupt. And sure enough, you pull those documents and it is so corrupt. But how does the individual get that that elevated to the point where action gets taken? So we, we I'm fearful for those communities. I don't believe that it's going to get any better with this consolidation. So... You're listening to Looks Like New. We've been speaking with Dana Caulfield of the Colorado Sun. Stick with us, and we'll be right back. Every day you hear our announcers say, support comes from local businesses like, and then mention the names of local businesses and nonprofit organizations. These groups already know the value of the KGNU listening audience 
and have chosen to make community radio part of their marketing mix. If you'd like to learn what these folks already know, call Sarah at 303-449-4885 or visit kgnu.org for more information. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month, we're speaking with Dana Caulfield, uh, an editor at the new Colorado Sun, about what it means to be a public benefit corporation in journalism. What is public benefit journalism? And Dana, to get us back into the conversation, I want to read the purpose statement of the Colorado Sun in its incorporation documents. The purpose is to produce high-quality, in-depth journalism that helps readers understand Colorado and their place in it, and to assure that this work is readily accessible to all potential readers in all parts of the state of Colorado. Accordingly, the corporation will rely on member support and sponsorships to sustain its undertakings. Now, let's be honest. How has the sun done? I'm glad you were able to find that because my my um, thought around it was, uh, didn't I just write down save journalism as our public benefit? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, I spent a bit more time with that than. So that's the that's the the, the Cliff's Notes the version. Cliff's Notes save version. journalism. Save journalism, <laughs> and then this more thoughtful um, uh, assessment of what we intended to do. Um, I feel like we've done a good job. Uh, you know, as one of the things that the report to our public has forced us to do is to do a little introspection about our um, activities, our what our goals were, our progress to those goals, and whether we achieved them. And so, start from the give me give me a bullet point. What's the first one? High quality, in depth journalism that yes. helps readers understand Colorado. So, yes, I would say that we have. Um, achieved and then some there we and we have shockingly because we were shocked that we won them we won a couple of really high profile um regional awards for our in-depth coverage um and all of the things that we won for were stories that did exactly what we wanted to do which was show your place in in the state of colorado and understand and one of those it's funny now that i think about it um with a we won a prize for a story that looked at all of the trash that we generate in Colorado, which is an immense amount of trash. And even though we're all like, you know, going to our festivals and, and not throwing anything away, we put out an amazing amount of garbage in Colorado. And so we so just... So not dumpster fires, but landfills. Landfills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are places, you know, in, you know, the playground of the wealthy up in Pitkin County has one of the highest trash rates in the state. And part of that is because they tear down so many houses to build mansions, you know. So we talked about that kind of thing, like, and because we live where we live in a huge state with vast open spaces, we're not in a position where we're necessarily going to run out of landfill space, but we start to think about like, are we really using our resources appropriately? Um, and so we took a look at that. Like, what is the state of our landfill? What happens to all of the poop that we flush? You know, and, and I know that sounds kind of gross to talk about it, but it's, we have added many, 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 many people to our community in the past 10 years. So what, what is the human impact on, on the environment? And so we, we took a look at that. And so we, that was like the very base, base, baseline. But we did a story about um, a plan to sterilize 
um, wild mustangs in a way that sounds very brutal when you think about doing it in the wild. And our coverage led to Colorado State University dropping out of that project. Um, we've been cited in several court cases uh, for our um, explanatory journalism around the very confusing and difficult um, tax limiting Tabor bill, which is really difficult for even experts to understand. And yet our work has been cited in, in these different court cases. So I feel like we're, we're doing things that are helping people to understand um, their government, the environment, things that are going on in our academic world. And, and lots of more than that, but those are the three. Now, in a, a further part here that, and I think a particularly difficult one, given where the state is now, is this this phrase of all potential readers in all parts of the state of Colorado. This is a state that is changing very rapidly, you know, that's very concentrated in particular regions, but has um, uh, uh, population spread in many different kinds of places, many different elevations. How do you, in your in your editorial decisions, think about that phrase, all parts of Colorado? You know, do you have to stop yourselves and say, oh, no, 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 we're doing too many Denver stories? Do we, you know, how do you, how do you determine whether you are doing justice to the state as opposed to the particular region, the front range, you know, where where the, the publication is based? Right. So we have two things that we think about. One thing is that we try to be a complement to existing news organizations, not necessarily competitor to existing news organizations. So we're less inclined to say cover Denver public schools um, than we are to do a story about a rural um, school district that we can illustrate an issue. Like uh, one of the big stories that we did um, this year took a look at the teacher shortage and it's acute in our metro communities it's acute here in boulder county it's acute in adams county but and so we knew that we all know that uh, because we hear about it constantly but what does it look like when you're talking about you know the the calhans consolidated school district what does that look like well and we went down there and found that teachers you know the principal ended up recruiting a middle school science teacher who was his waitress, you know, in a bar. And she was like, well, I'm almost done with my degree. And so they, you know, trying to understand the lengths to which people have to go to educate kids who are living in perfectly fine communities that are only 30 miles from Colorado Springs. You know, it shouldn't be that hard. So we may tell a story that has some metro implications, but work very hard to tell it from a different point of view. Um, we also know where are the subscribers to our free newsletters and our um, paying members come from. And we have done a decent job of re reflecting where the population centers are. So we have about 75% of our newsletter subscribers and paying members in the front range and 25 in the rest of the state, which roughly matches where the population is in Colorado. So we, you know, are concerned that we're not doing as much coverage in northeastern Colorado as we could. We're having sort of a hard time um, getting a handle on writing up that writing up in that area. So we've been spackling a little bit by sending photographers up there on a regular basis to illustrate stories um, down here. But I think we could do a better job of reaching into the communities that touch up in the, so up in the corner near Nebraska and southern Wyoming because they have many issues that need to be explored, but we just don't 
have a person out there right now. So it's pretty easy for us to do, you know, the central mountain mountains in the Western slope, because many of our former coworkers are out there and they know their communities really well and they're on the ground and we've done a great job. We do a, a good job, Colorado Springs and South, because we have a good uh, crew of freelancers and, um, down there who are, have participated, um, in both pitching stories and taking story assignments. So, we we got to do better on in the northeast. I think mm-hmm. I think they they deserve more due. Now, I mean, you said earlier you don't want to be competitors, right? But mm-hmm. the, you know, a lot there's a lot of energy in in Colorado media. You know, the the um, CPR is uh, scaling up Colorado Public Radio. Um, you know, they're looking for kind of regular donors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some similarities in your model. Um, how much have you? gotten away with being a kind of accompaniment rather than a collaborator or than a competitor are you do you see yourself as having competition are you competing with other uh news organizations in the state um is that competition you know if if you are is that good i mean is it are you trying to uh generate that kind of dynamic or are you trying to you know you've worked at the associated press before right which is a news organization (laughs) that you know has a very different model right so uh both larry and i larry rickman um he had a long career at the ap mine was much shorter but we come from that sort of cooperative collaborative kind of feeling so um I think it's easier for us to get like, oh, we're all kumbaya, we're just friends, we're going to contribute together. Um, We understand that we're perceived as an existential threat to certain organizations, but we try not to let that inform ourselves too much. We An existential threat. um, So, yeah, we may be perceived as an existential threat to some organizations, um, um, but our primary concern right now is to do the best journalism that we can do. And no, we don't like to be beat on stories. And yes, we are competitive in, in that we do not, um, we want to lead the conversation statewide, but we don't necessarily go and, you know, do a story that Chalkbeat or the Denver Post has done about DPS. We are trying to be our, our own guy right now. And as I mentioned earlier, Larry and I spent a lot of time in sort of collaborative, cooperative, um, organizations. And so we've worked really hard to create a collaborative and, or, and um, cooperative community out there. And we, we, like the Texas Tribune, um, provide our content for free to print publications. So if you were to go to any of the towns in the I-70 corridor, you may see our, our um, stories in those newspapers. We're routinely in the Grand Junction Sentinel, um, Ure, Telluride, Crested Butte, some of the mountain radio stations use our content on a regular basis, and we like that. We think it's good. It helps sort of raise our profile in the community. Um, at the same time, we have convened a major reporting project that we're working on right now with 15 newspapers across Colorado. And so we're um, what we're trying to do is maybe raise the tide a little bit. Like, okay, we have this idea. We know that we can do... Um, this big deal data crunch, blah, 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 that's um, out of the government in the middle of Colorado. But we think you can take this data and apply it in your own communities and tell a similar story. So we're pretty excited about that getting launched in the first week of September. And people seem excited about it to to have just a place to rally. And that, that includes the Associated Press's participating with it. So we we feel pretty happy about the notion of being 
a complementary addition to this market. How does working at the Sun compare to other publications that you've worked for? What is the what is the environment like? Do you are there ways that you carry out this public benefit mission in the office among your your employees uh, as a as a community? Well, we don't have a gigantic community <laughs> right now. There are, there are just 10 of us currently, and we don't have an office that we all go to. So we're a dispersed newsroom, which is kind of challenging. Um, but we are in our communities more. I, you know, when I first changed jobs and I was walking around downtown Denver one day and I realized I literally had not been outside my office like at lunch hour for two years that's on me I understand that but um I think that not going to the the office has allowed us or freed us mentally anyway to be out in our communities a bit more and actually observe what's going on and I think that's good um we get way better stories going out in the community than making a phone call and saying like hey what's going on well you can actually go and watch the scientist giving a little toad a bath to try and save its life up in the mountains above Salida. That's it's way better than yapping about it on the, on the phone. So, um, we, I, I feel like we're more freed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the areas though, that as we've been, um, assessing ourselves for the public benefit is that we promised that we would do some community events, um, through the year. And we did one of them online that, you know, like, that was a couple that were online that are accessible to everybody, but we would like to be doing a better job of actually having, you know, a post legislative session event on the Western slope where people could come or Northeastern Colorado. So we're trying to plan that up a little bit more. So it's not so Denver centric. Mm -hmm. We tend to tended to make our decisions based on what was, you know, the resources that were available. So, you know, in, in your, you created an event for us in Boulder. It was really well attended. The university of Denver created an event for us that was super well attended. And these are great resources, but we feel like we need to, you know, push out a little bit more. Are you thinking about growing in the coming year? And are you, as if you are, are, you know, what kind of considerations do you have in mind about what you'd like to bring to the, uh, to the sun in terms of new people, new voices? Um, so we are, um, working very hard on the business side of our operation right now. Um, Larry and I, we're only two people, so we're not only editing everything that is produced by our colleagues, um, but we're handling a lot of the business side. So we would like to have a chief revenue-ish kind of officer, that, that type of person come in that would handle more of our, uh, community engagement events and business management and sponsorship, um, uh, recruitment and retention. We think that's mission critical because again, if we're going to truly save journalism, we have to have a solid business plan, you know, a solid business and cash flow stream. Um, if somebody were to, I guess I should back up a little bit. We had, um, really an immense amount of help from, the Colorado Media Project, which is a group of people that coalesced um, after the big laughs at the Denver Post in 2018, um, to say like, well, wait, something is wrong here in our community. And so what kind of benefit could we um, provide to media in general? And it's funded largely by the Gates Family Foundation, which is a really great organization down in Denver. And so, and we I just have convened, uh, KGNU is part of that. Um, we're part of it. Uh, many of the radio stations, many of the small, um, newspapers are part of it. And it's sort of like 
looking at the global problems, like how do we do better with business? We had a little bit extra help um, from the Boston Consulting Group last year that was like, hey, you guys can get big fast. And they gave us like this really ambitious business plan that said, you know, you should be 60 people, but it takes a lot of money. And if somebody dropped the amount of money that we need to do that, we would be there in a heartbeat. We were, were so excited about the potential of doing that. Um, and we would definitely add more business reporters. We would add more business, like the function of business uh, staffers. We would add um, more people focusing on the environment and water. Um, just pick, and we would like to pick people who are good utility players. So perhaps, perhaps people that were um, expert in water, but could do other things as well. So we sort of have identified eight subject area or I think it's eight seven or eight subject areas that we think um, we could do a better job at. And another one that we would really like to do, but that would take some extra money would be humanities because the humanities um, has been one of the areas that was hardest hit by the cuts at all of our newspapers. Uh, you know, would be, could be people reviewing books, um, writing about theater, about the communities that are creating theater and music. Those, that stuff's just not getting done. So if somebody would like to help us out with that, we would be super, super happy about it. Uh, the Boston Consulting Group uh, plan, um, that super ambitious plan, um, contained a lot of good um, advice and information about how we become financially sustainable. And they did this, you know, you could do this. And they also gave us the slow go one, which is we're on right now. And we're making good progress towards being cash flow positive. So we've got our fingers crossed. We feel like we've made like surprisingly good progress in just a one year period. But we've been focused on the business from the get-go. So, You're listening to Looks Like New. We've been speaking with Dana Caulfield, uh, an editor and founder at the Colorado Sun. Stick with us, and we'll be right back. The KGNU Board of Directors reminds listeners that all our board meetings are open to the public. The KGNU Board of Directors meets at 6 p.m. on the second Monday of every month. We also have a community advisory board that meets twice a year. All meeting dates, times, and locations are posted in advance on our website, kgnu.org. You can also get more information on KGNU board meetings by calling 303-449-4885 during business hours or by sending an email to board at kgnu.org. We're back. It looks like new on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month, we're speaking with Dana Caulfield, a founder and senior editor at the Colorado Sun, a new online investigative publication that went live last year. We're talking about the question of what is public benefit journalism? The, the Sun is incorporated as a Colorado public benefit corporation. Uh, and this conversation is actually part of uh, our evaluation process for the Sun uh, after its first year. Um, so, you know, there, there's an old notion in journalism that you should split uh, business from editorial, right? Uh, in the case of the Sun as a startup, uh, you uh, are business and editorial. Uh, tell us a bit about that experience. What has it been like to be in the business seat as a as a career long journalist? Well, um, I, I should stipulate that I have owned a newspaper before, so it isn't completely unfamiliar. I've been in an entrepreneurial 
situations before. So I, I was a little bit more smeary than some of my um, co-workers were around, around those feelings, but it is um, difficult to do one, but not the other. And when we announced this publication um, a year ago in June, we literally went back to the office and started talking about how we would become financially sustainable. We would watch other of our entrepreneurial co colleagues believe the Kool-Aid that their funders were feeding them and have themselves be in a bad position within a year. And so we knew that we couldn't be in that. And so we began um, applying for grants, looking for catalytic capital, um, figuring out how we would do uh, business and sponsors uh, sponsorship agreements, how to start recruiting people to our um, very cheap membership. Um, and we just had to do it. We just knew that. Um, it's getting a little bit more complicated now as we think about scaling up. And so that's why, as I mentioned in the last segment, we would really like to have some sort of financial office there that that we could uh, put up the wall a little bit better. Um, one of the things that we did after we said we were going to be financially sustainable was to develop a really in-depth um, code of ethics that's pub that we've had on our website from the get-go that you know, to give you the super cliff notes version of the many page document, um, that we published is we, you may give us money, but do not speak to us after that. You know, we don't try and influence our, um, do our coverage. And we've been very careful about the few grants that we have had that, um, you know, we have a large grant from a family desk to cover education, literally have not heard from those people since they wrote us a check. You know, that we've been very careful about choosing our partners in this way. We um, do some partnership with um, Aspen, I'm sorry, Aspen Journalism, um, which is funded by the uh, Katina Foundation for mountain bike coverage. And that's literally the parameters, like write about mountain biking. And so we're, like I said, we're, we're careful not to be influenced there. You know, it, it, there may be people out there who would like to give money to us, but if they can't comport with our rule, which is, you know, you can tell us the parameters, but that's it. Um, then we probably are best not involved with them. Now the, the purpose as stated in your incorporation documents is that the corporation will rely on member support and sponsorships to sustain its, its undertaking. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's an interesting choice to identify that constraint about revenue sources mm -hmm. in your incorporation documents. Right. Um, why did, why was that important to you? Because we think that journalism, whether it's this radio station or it's the Colorado Sun, is a community asset. And if the community doesn't find us to be valuable, then we're doing something wrong. And we believe that the community um, uh, expresses its affirmation by becoming a member or becoming a sponsor. Um Right. Is that, that model working? Is that model working for you? Yeah, like shockingly. So, tell us um, about that. Well, um, we're really doing well. Um, we have nearly six thousand members, um, which is more than we expected to have at this time, um, and we haven't until we now really launched a formal, you know 
brand awareness or marketing campaigns. So it seems as though that people are reading our content, response, responding to the messaging at the end. Yes, I do find this valuable and joining us. So um, we are a bit concerned about the whether, well, we know. We know for sure that we have not tapped all of the, <laughs> all of the market that's out there. One of the things that the Boston Consulting Group did for the Colorado Media Project was sort of look like, well, do people really want to pay for media? And it could be paying for the media, like being a member of this radio station. It could be buying a Spotify. It could be subscribing to the New York Times or the Daily Camera or the Denver Post, you know, pay for some sort of media. And they did, I think they did 2000 interviews. I believe that's what they did. Um, and reckoned that there are about 100,000 people uh, in the state of Colorado that are currently like they value local news and they are paying for some sort of media out there. And that's who we should be tapping. And even Colorado public radio, the largest radio station in the state has, um, I think it's only about 40,000 paying members. So, um, and there are a hundred thousand people out there. So we feel that there is a whole market that we could be tapping as well. So we're working on that right now to try and um, expand our reach beyond our little bubble of super supportive and extremely valuable friends, but we need more of them to get to cash flow positive. Mm -hmm. As has growth slowed. Do you think that there's, you're going to start hit, hitting ceilings around, around that approach? Well, we hit the yes and no. Like the, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, doesn't seem like it's, you know, ground to a halt. There are periods that things are, um, there things go faster and sometimes they're around promotions. Sometimes they're around holidays, these kinds of things. And so again, when I was talking about professionalizing our, our business operation, we are hoping to get some help with that. Um, hiring a contractor to help us to understand how to keep it sustained through, because we know we have to add X number of people for our paid newsletters, X number of people for our memberships to, and a mix of uh, the perfect mix of those, those people to get us to cash flow positive. So, that's what, and I hate using that word over and over again, but I am, um, but that's what we're after. You know, like you got to get there. You have to be cash flow positive and do better than that so that we can hire the next people. So now you said earlier that your, your kind of short version of your purpose statement is save journalism. <laughs> what, what does that mean when that, when those words flash before your mind? Um, to me, it sort of means, I mean, if we're, Internally, it means getting back to our roots, which was um, really working hard to be the watchdogs in our community, um, to you know keep bad deeds from going um, unrevealed, and to tell great stories about interesting people all over the state of Colorado. Like those, those things are really important to me. And the mission to the outside, I think, is like we want you to understand your community. And so come to us and we'll help you understand our, your community. I was reading the story, um, read it twice now, um, because I was so mortified by it. There was um, a story that uh, I think National Parks official of some sort was kind of making a, talking about the poem that is um, engraved on the um, Statue of Liberty. And he added a nasty phrase at the end of it. And the way the story was written made it sound and I'm going to go back and read it a third time. It was uh, written as though they had actually changed the poem on the Statue of Liberty. But no, it was just, it was a conversation. It doesn't make it any better. It was, uh, you know, sort of a jerky thing to to say. 
but the way that story was written made it sound like they pried up that that plaque and changed the poet's words to comport with current politics and that's not true we that, that's not true and i'm sure you know made me read it three times so they got three clicks on it right because it was written in that way and we don't want to do that to our readers we don't want people to feel like they're being tricked we want people to understand what their government's doing they want to understand what you know we have a great story um that we just published about uh the only reason speaking of the economy the only reason that many businesses in Crested Butte were able to stay open this summer which is their, the summer's way busier in Crested Butte than the winter is surprisingly was because 75% of the freshman class at the high school is working this year and they have never worked like that before but and still businesses are shut down and it has to do with um adults can't find housing up there because 200 of what used to be worker housing is being used as VRBO in that community. And so we, you know, that's, that's interesting is my town Lafayette contemplates what to do um, with short-term rentals. What is the, what are the implications of these things that are great for the pocketbook, but are they so good for the community? So we are trying to tell those stories and I think they're working. Mm -hmm. I hope. I got off track. Sorry. <laughs> um, how Truth. Were... That's what we were talking about. Go back to that. Like trying to be truthy, right? Like making sure that people never have the opportunity to use the word hashtag fake news with regard to what we produce. How are you, how are you measuring this stuff? I mean, how are you measuring your impact going forward? Are you, um, ha have you, is there a number that you look up Every day when you wake up, do you look at the analytics on the website? You know, what are you tracking in your head to know how you're doing? We definitely look at analytics. Um, we, we worry, it's sad, I'm going to say it out loud, but we do worry about our traffic. We want to make sure that people are coming and reading our stories, right? And we look at that not because we're concerned about being able to sell a car or a pair of shoes. We're concerned about it because it reflects whether we're doing the right thing for our community or not. And if we've given a bad mix of stories, if we're boring people, if we're, um, we, we need to pay attention to that and think about giving them different stories next week or a different mix of stories and just creating something that, that is pleasing to our visitors, you know, and, and you may be mad about what Jared Polis is doing this week, but also be able to. Um, read an interesting story about who's been a guy who's been keeping climate records for 30 years in the Gunnison Valley. Like we want you to be able to get mad and get happy on the same day <laughs> uh -huh. on our website. And we sort of strive for that. Have you noticed certain kinds of things <laughs> taking off certain kinds of patterns forming about what, you know, that, that might be informing the directions that you're taking something you're learning from those, from those metrics? Um, me personally, when I accept story pitches or make assignments, I'm going more out on the edge usually than I than I used to do. So two that pop to mind are by a young freelancer named Joe Pertel, um, who one of them was he wrote a story about how climbing gyms are making climbing in the outdoors more dangerous. And I was like, ah, that sounds kind of dumb, Joe. And he was like, no, no, it's for real. And it was for real. And he was able to... Um, inform that with data with the number of climbing gyms that have proliferated over the years and the deaths in the outdoors and got with these um, 
old climbers who I think were like 35, um, who were explaining like we, I, I was mentored by some guy who was like, you're going to kill yourself. Let's go learn some real things out in the woods. Um, people become too confident inside the climbing gym because everything's protected. A rock's never going to fall on your head in a climbing gym, right? So um, so that was one story, and it went bonkers. Uh, super, super interesting. And then he did another story, which, again, I was like, oh, I don't think so, um, where he explored a program that the city of Boulder is doing right now with climate sequestration or carbon sequestration and looked at this farm um up in central Boulder County where Boulder County had let its um, open space go bad and it screwed up this guy's farmland and he was like, stop it. And so he started this biodynamic reclamation program on the farm next door. And suddenly the climate managers in the city of Boulder are like, wait, wait, we can actually meet our climate goals more quickly by fixing our open space land than we can by telling people not to drive their cars. So that also was illuminating to me. So I, I feel like I'm, and it got a lot of traffic. So I feel like I'm being more open to these things that maybe I would have been like, oh, that's too whack before. So the whack things are taking hold. Well, the, but because when we, when we actually report them out, they're not that whack, right? Because you look at data related to climbing deaths and the number of people who are climbing, you can get that, right? So I, I feel like because we've made this, um, commitment to making sure that the things that we write are supported by data that we can explore those concepts that may seem a little bit crazy at the outset. Well, you've given so many examples of the many wonderful stories you've had the chance to tell over the course of the last year. And, and if anybody is, uh, you know, hasn't gotten to experience what you all are doing, it's, it's really incredible. Uh, just as a, as a, person trying to learn about about their community it's it's a um it's an incredible uh, resource that you've built so thank you for for what you've been doing and for the contributions you've made to helping us understand where we live better well we're happy to be there and you can check us out at coloradosun.com and can i do a plug so um if you feel like becoming a member i'll give you a discount so write this down it's k-i-c-k three eight one one it's a tiny discount but it's a discount nonetheless all right well thank you for the for uh, every little bit counts <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to looks like new on kgnu radio a show that asks old questions about new tech we've been speaking with dana caulfield who is a founder and senior editor of the colorado sun a now uh, almost year old publication here in colorado uh, you can find out more again at coloradosun.com. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. Looks Like New is a production of CU's Media Enterprise Design Lab. You can find out more about our work at cmci.colorado.edu slash medlab, M-E-D-L-A-B. If you've liked what you heard, please spread the word about this show and consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also love to hear from you with comments and guest ideas. You can reach me at medlab at colorado.edu. Hope you'll join us again next month. <laughs>